I had a good friend of mine in my previous church that I planted uh, quite a few years ago, and uh, he had a BlackBerry telephone. Do you remember those? How many of you had one of those? Looks like this, with the first phone with a keyboard on it. Can you believe it? And the teenagers are going, phones didn't have keyboards before? No, they didn't. But if you'll notice, what's the top right hand of the, of the letters? What's that top right hand letter there? P. So he put me on his speed dial for Pastor Barry. I was under the P. I was pretty honored by that. It was a pretty big deal back then. I know it doesn't mean anything to you right now, but back then some of you might remember that. And so he would, anytime he'd need me, he'd just press the P and, and it would dial me and we would be able to talk and it was awesome. And so he, would, he called me once and I picked up and, hey, Ryan. And all I heard was, Ryan, hey, what's up? Ryan. Ryan. Well, he had, he had sat down and every time he sat down, he hit the P. So he butt dialed me. I'm like, well, that's rude. So I, find, I tried to listen in on what he was doing for a little while, and then I thought, okay, that's enough of that. I hung up. Two seconds later, ring. He's calling me again. Hello? He's just sitting down, moving around, and every time he moved around, he's dialing me. Anybody else been butt-dialed before by people? It's, so, it's annoying, is it not? And they just keep doing it over and over, and you, pretty soon you're going to block them. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about the Lord's Prayer, and, and if you weren't, how many of you were here two weeks ago when I talked about the Lord's Prayer. So quite a few of you weren't. So I'm going to encourage you, as I did to them, I'm going to review this in just a second, is to take some notes. I promise you it'll be worth it later on if if you do. So you might want to get that out. But we talked about the Lord's Prayer being a template, not a verbatim thing to say, but it was a template. And, And Jesus said, listen, if you want to pray like me, then we need to be intentional, intentional, and that starts with where to pray. You need to go into a, a room and close the door. That's where it starts. And then you move beyond where you've been to where you want to go. You move beyond the wording and on to intimacy and connection, which happens best behind a closed door. It's much more personal and intimate than maybe we've been taught. And maybe, as I said a couple weeks ago, we might have been taught wrong. Last time we saw from the Lord's Prayer, three things. Number one, we got to tell God that he's great. You don't start with you. You start with who it is that you're talking to. You recognize his hallowedness, his greatness, his supremeness, and you let that sink in because that will affect every other aspect of your prayer life. And second, we're supposed to tell God that his deal is more important than our deal. Your will, not my will, be done. That's part of the Lord's Prayer. And we stay there until we're 100% surrendered to God. If we get 9 out of 10, that's not good enough. We stick with that one and we wrestle that through until we're done. How long we stay there depends on the condition of our heart, not on the willingness of our God. That's how long we pray in that surrendered will place. We stay there till it's done. And then third, we acknowledge our dependence on God. That we're dependent on God to supply our needs, our provision, to supply our forgiveness of sins, our pardon. Not only our sins, but the sins done against us, we need God's help because some people are just pretty unforgivable. At least I've met a few. And then, and then to protect us in every aspect of our lives, to forgive us or protect us from the evil one. Lead us not into temptation. God, you're awesome. Your deal before my deal, and I'm dependent on you. But let me ask this question. How many of you have prayed and the opposite of what you prayed for actually happened? A few honest people. Awesome. This week, God, please let the Cleveland Cavaliers win. One, one. We got one down. Another one to go tomorrow. Probably a lot of Golden State fans here, aren't there? Wow. If they were Lakers fans, you'd all be rude. At least you're civilized. So, 
How about praying for someone to be healed if we get serious and then they get worse? Or, or we pray to get a better job, to get a raise, and we get fired. I mean, that, that's the kind of stuff that happens occasionally. Now, how many of you have prayed for something to happen, but nothing happened? You prayed a prayer, and you asked for something, and nothing. It was just crickets. It didn't get worse. It didn't get better. Just nothing. How many of you be honest that that's the way? Yeah, we've prayed a lot of times, and just nothing happens. You're not alone. It's a common to feel that way. There's, there's nothing wrong with you, and there's nothing wrong with God. Jesus takes us in Luke chapter 11. If you haven't turned your Bibles there, get to Luke chapter 11. We're going to spend some time there. He gives us this this frustration of unanswered prayer, and he gives us a plan that, quite frankly, is a little disturbing. And I think it's going to have us look at God a little bit different than we've ever looked at God before today. I don't know why you're here. I don't know how you got here. This could be your first time. Maybe you're longtime members. Maybe you were not going to come today, but you did, and I really believe we're here for a reason, and I think that, that this is really insightful stuff, not because of me, but, but, but because of the Scripture and how Jesus is going to teach us and teach his disciples as we listen in on this. Luke was a doctor, and he was a detailed historian, so he was very meticulous, and he's going to describe in Luke chapter 11, beginning with verse 1, he's going to describe an encounter that they had with Jesus. It says this in Luke chapter 1, verse 1, Luke 11, verse 1. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. So Luke sets out and he goes, look, Jesus was in this certain place. We don't know what that was. Was this a room with the door closed? I don't know. He's in a certain place. He's praying. And his disciples were good Jewish boys. They, were, they grew up praying. They knew how to pray. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. But they listened to Jesus' prayers and goes, dude, we, that's cool. Like, Jesus knows how to pray. He can really throw down. So, well, how do you do that, Jesus? You need to teach us how to pray, which means, which means you can be taught to pray, which means if we haven't been taught to pray, we might be doing it wrong. Now, you could pray anytime, anywhere. It's just talking to God. I get that. But Jesus says, if you want to pray like I've been praying, these, these good Jewish boys were listening to Jesus, and they were good, good prayers, and they listened to Jesus and go, dude, we're not doing it like he does it right. If you want to do that, Jesus gives us, this is a template for you to be able to do that. I'm going to help you here. Verse 2. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed, hallowed, supreme be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. This is where the disciples would probably jump up and go, "Uh, Jesus, you're not praying that right. We already memorized this prayer, and you missed that thy will be done in there, and probably some other stuff. So I don't think you're praying this prayer right. And Jesus is going, look, this is not about reciting a verse verbatim. This is not a prayer. Now, we, we have all done it. We've all memorized it. We've all said it before. That's fine. Almost all of us have done that. That's nothing wrong with that. But that's not what Jesus is teaching his disciples. He's not saying, here's the prayer you pray, and pray it just like this. It's not the Lord's prayer. It's really the disciples' prayer, and it's a template. It is a pattern for you to be able to pray the way Jesus prayed and for your relationship with God to go to a new level that has never gone before. So if we want to pray like Jesus, if we want to pray effectively then we'll take this as a template to be able to do it. It's not about memorization. Remember, Jesus could have said anything when they asked him how to pray. Hey, Jesus, teach us to pray like you pray. And he goes, oh, well, if you really want to pray like me, you've got to speak in tongues. Because to be really spiritual, 
You have to speak in tongues. Those are the people that are extra spiritual. Hey, if you want to pray like me, you have to pray for at least 20 minutes. Because if you don't, 20 minutes is the sweet spot. Because that's where you start to really get into to God. If you want to pray like me, Jesus could have said, you need to pray in the morning, you need to pray sometime in the afternoon, you need to pray at night. If you don't pray at least three times a day, you're not doing it right and you're not very spiritual. If you want to pray like me, then you'll fast. Because fasting, the people who don't eat or don't drink a certain amount of stuff for a certain amount of time, and then they pray, that's the real magic to praying. That's how you really pray, and that's how you be super spiritual. He didn't say any of that. And he didn't say, it was just talking to God. It's no big deal. Describing, he didn't say any of that. He describes, Luke records, Jesus describing a remedy for the frustration of unanswered prayer. So if you've ever been frustrated because your prayers haven't been answered, you should be glad you're here today because Jesus is going to teach us through the, the writer Luke. What happens when you don't get what you want from God? What happens when you don't get what you want from God? And I'm not talking about being selfish. I'm not getting everything you want. I'm talking about in prayer and you're going to God for something and he doesn't answer that prayer. What happens? Verse 5. Then he said to them, Jesus said to them, After he gives them the Lord's Prayer, he says to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And the disciples are probably looking at each other going, What's he talking about? Wait, weren't we just talking about prayer? What? Okay, so I get it. All right, so um, I'm in bed, and a friend comes to me who doesn't have any food. Because a friend came to him in the middle of the night, which is crazy, didn't call ahead, didn't text him or nothing, and shows up, it's the Middle East in the first century, so you get it, there was no texting, um, and, and, and he shows up and he wants some bread, and, and it's the middle of the night, and he, and he woke him up. Okay, I get it. Verse 7. Then the one inside answers, who's inside the tent, don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children are in bed with me. I can't get up and give you anything. Now, this is Middle Eastern culture from a a long time ago, so they're probably in some sort of tents or tent-like structures, maybe a little glorified extra, and they're sleeping on a cot or a mat. The men may be in one room, the women in another, and and it's a lot like squeezing in when you're tent camping. I don't do that very often because I'm not very good at it, and I just don't like it, but you've been there before where you have too small a tent and too many sleeping bags? Anybody? And you squeeze in, and you get everything set, and you're ready to go to sleep, and then somebody's got to pee. And then you know, you're just crawling all over everybody and trying not to step on anything, and then they come in and bring whatever's outside, all the dirt or whatever it is, and they trample. It's just, ugh. Well, this is sort of like that, I think. This is, going to bed was an event um, because everybody, everything was in its place. They turned off the oil lamp, the, the light for the, the time. They'd lock the door, whatever kind of door that was, and they get to sleep, and everyone's in this complicated nightly puzzle. He's going, dude, it's midnight. I'm not going to, it's late. Don't bother me. Everybody's asleep. We're not going to get up and get you your silly bread. Just go away. Verse 8. I tell you, now listen, listen, this is really important. Listen to this. Verse 8. This is crazy. I tell you, Though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend. See, I know you're my friend, but I ain't giving you nothing. Just because you're my friend, get away from me. Yet, because of this man's boldness, and you might want to underline that word, boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. 
And the word boldness there is persistence. Because of the man's persistence, because the man just kept knocking and knocking and asking and asking and saying, please give me some bread, please give me some bread. I got this friend. He really needs some food. I want to entertain him and, and have him. He's been on a long journey. Please, 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 please. So the guy in the tent is not giving out any bread, even though he's friends. But because of the persistence, hoping out of pure frustration, the guy inside will finally go, here's your food. You've already woke everybody up anyway. Take the bread. And this is where it gets weird. This is where this, it just gets weird, this parable. And you, you might not even believe this, and that's okay, but I hope that you'll hang in till the end. Anytime you hear a, a parable, the listener has to think, they would have been thinking, somebody in this story is me, and somebody in this story is God. That's all, every parable. Every now and then there's a third element, but those are, oh, those are the first two for sure. Somebody's me, the listener, and somebody's God. So the disciples are thinking as they look at each other, okay, okay, I get this. We're the ones outside knocking because Jesus is teaching us how to pray. And so we're saying, hey, can I have some food? Somebody comes at night. It's like prayer. We're going to God. Okay, so who's God in the story? And the disciples are probably looking at each other and going, God's the grumpy old man inside that says, go away. I'm not going to give you any food. And they're looking, uh, Jesus, are you sure this is the right parable? Because this isn't making God look very good. If I'm reading this story right, the moral of the story is if you want something from God, you have to keep banging on the door, and eventually he may get up and do something. not a good parable, God, or Jesus. That's not very good. Is that the meaning of the parable? Well, I wish I could tell you in the Greek, when you flip it backwards and forwards and upside down, it really means this super spiritual thing. But it doesn't. It means that. Which just blows my mind away. God. I don't think of God as some grumpy old man in a tent not giving me any food when I need it. That doesn't make any sense. And if you've ever had kids... Now, before we dismiss the idea, though, is it really that strange? Because if you've ever had kids, and my kids are both in this service, um, you know what I'm talking about here. Dad, can we have a puppy? No, we can't have a puppy. Yeah, please, can we have a puppy? We don't have the money for a puppy. Because buying a puppy is not just about paying the money for a puppy. It's about all the money you've got to spend every month and the, the medicine and the worms and the vets and the cleaning and the nails. No, no, we don't have money for that. Dear God, I pray that Dad gets more money so we can have a puppy. Dad, can we have a puppy? Dad, have you got more money? Did you get another job? Dad, please, can we have a puppy? Can we have a puppy? Week after week, month after month, they keep asking. And finally, finally, okay, I'll get you a puppy. Yay, Dad, you're the greatest. But I don't love my kids anymore because I got them a puppy. In fact, I might love them a little less. But that, no, that, but, and I don't love them any less because I didn't get them a puppy. I just didn't want a puppy. A puppy is irrelevant. That had anything to do with my love for them or their love for me or my relationship with them or their relationship with me or my feelings for them or their feelings for me. Every once in a while, they just keep bugging and bugging and bugging me until finally I go, okay, just stop asking. I'll get it for you. Now, I, let's just pause. I know we're in America and in California, and I know that our kids are ridiculously entitled and spoiled rotten. I'm not talking about that kind of stuff that a kid just, I want a toy, I want a toy before we leave Target, I want a toy. No. Like, I'm not talking about that kind of silliness. I'm talking about, you know, real, like a puppy. (laughs) The important stuff in life. It's not very spiritual, but it it makes sense, at least humanly possible. Now, maybe this has happened. Dad, can we go to Chuck E. Cheese and then to Red Lobster? Because that was our big stuff when my kids were, were much younger. And we'd go to Chuck E. Cheese and we'd go to Red Lobster. Those were the two favorite places. And, and I'd say, no, I really don't want to do that right now. And they say, okay, Daddy, I understand. And then they go off and play. It never happened. But can you imagine? 
Can you imagine? If they didn't whine, they didn't pout, they didn't ask again, they didn't ask why, and there was no arguing and there was no defending, nothing. They just did that. I would turn around and go, it may take a few minutes, but you know what? We're going to Chuck E. Cheese and Red Lobster. We're going to do that. And they go, Dad, you're the greatest. But it was their response to me that caused me to change my mind. It was such a good attitude that they had that if I didn't want to go, they were cool with it. That's all right. Your will before my will, Dad. Because what is it in me (laughs) that would ever cause me to want to go to Chuck E. Cheese? (laughs) Ever. Nothing. Nothing. Ever. Except when my kids put Dad's wishes before theirs. Is it, any, is it any coincidence that Jesus says, listen, you need to, if you want to pray like me, you just start with our Father. You're, you're great. Your will be done before mine. I'm dependent on you. And once you've got those three things done, then you start asking and knocking and seeking. And you never give up. Because maybe there's something inside of me and you that's inside of our Heavenly Father. Maybe that would cause me to change my mind because of my kid's persistence. God's not bothered or angered by your persistence. And sometimes he might even be moved to get out of bed and say, here you go. The parable is clear. It starts with your great, your will, I'm dependent on you. And only after you've done all that effectively, then you go to God and say, please, please, can I, will will you? And you make all these requests. And then you don't quit asking. And here's your sermon in a sentence. This is your message in a tweet. This is what you can put on your Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or whatever. Your persistent prayer has the potential of moving the heart of God. Your persistent prayer has the potential of moving the heart of God. In case you don't believe it, listen to how Jesus, listen to how Jesus interprets his own parable. Verse 9. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. He says it three times for emphasis, not three different ways to go to God. No, no, no. It's one way to go to God over and over and over. And he does it three different ways, three different ways to emphasize it. God wants you to ask and seek and knock and bother him and to not give up. Jesus says, listen, if you want to pray like me, I'm going to teach you how to pray. I'm telling you, this is it. You go and get the order right. And then you follow these four principles for praying persistently or using the redial to change the heart of God. The first principle is this. We have a lot to pray about before getting to the asking point. There's a lot of business to deal with. And after you've worked through all that and wrestled that with God, then you can keep coming on strong because sometimes God will give in because he's moved by your persistent and consistent prayer. Look at verse 10. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. You might be thinking, well, listen, I've prayed, I've asked and sought a whole bunch of times, and I've prayed for this one thing, whatever it is, and I've prayed for it over and over, but I never got it. And Jesus says, listen, I understand that prayer, and I understand where you're coming from, but it, it, sometimes it doesn't happen the way you expect it to happen. That's no mystery. Jesus says, listen, you ask me how to pray, I'm telling you how to pray. Here's a second way. When you're frustrated in prayer, here's a second way to change the heart of God. We don't let go until we absolutely have to. Till God says, absolutely no, stop asking. Till he says that, you just keep going for it. Because I think God's honored and moved by your persistent prayer. How many of you lost your keys before and it took you like 15 minutes to find them? 
Yeah, and so you look in the bathroom, and you look in the bedroom, and you look in your car, and you look on the, the dashboard, everywhere, and then you're like, gosh, where am I going to find these? And, you, and they're in your pocket the whole time. And the older we get, that's where we start finding things. Oh, they're in my hand. Uh, I've done that a couple times recently. And, and so um, the, the thing is, though, we're so grateful that we got it, and now we found it. We don't keep looking for it. We don't go, oh, here are my keys. Now I'm going to go look in the kitchen, and now I'm going to go look somewhere else. No, I've, I've got them, right? I, I don't need to keep looking for them. And, and I think it's happened over and over where people pray and pray, and, and then at the very last minute, it, their prayer is answered. And it took a long time, and maybe it was somebody to get saved or somebody to get healed or some, something to happen. They pray and pray against all hope. It doesn't look like it's ever going to happen, and then, bam, they get an answered prayer. And they're thinking, I'm so glad I didn't stop praying. I'm so glad I pursued in prayer and kept after it. And then what happens once that's done? Most of the time, they stop praying. They stop seeking passionately after God to get that prayer answered. Why would we keep praying for something that's already happened? And I wonder, I wonder, I'm not saying it happened. I wonder if sometimes God delays in answering our prayers because he just loves the persistence that we go after him with all of our heart. And that's what he really wants, is your heart. And he wants to bless you. He wants to, to give you things and bless you with things. But he wants a relationship more than anything. And sometimes when you don't get what you want is when you keep coming after it. And at least there's a relationship that way. Dad can I have a puppy. Dad can I have a puppy. Dad can I have a puppy. At least my kids are talking to me, right? There's a dialogue going. No, no, no. Every once in a while, God's heart can be changed because we ask and seek and knock. You know what else happens when we refuse to give up and keep asking and seeking? The third principle to change the heart of God, and that's that we look for the change God is doing in us because he's doing a work in us while we go after him, the asker, the seeker, the knocker. Some people will, will start with a specific prayer item like, God, I need my marriage. It's terrible. It's going to fall apart. God says, I understand that. That's great. I understand your marriage. I've known about this all along. But, but will you say me first and my will first? Will you let me change you first before we go after your marriage? Can I have your heart first before we go after your husband's heart or your wife's heart or your kid's heart or your parent's heart or your friend's heart or whatever it is? I, I want you before we fix your finances. I want you before this person gets healed. Because this is it. God, God wants to do something in you before he does something around you. God wants to do something in you before he's worried about all those things you're worried about. We've got to get the order right. If you want to pray like Jesus prayed, if you want to have powerful prayer, effective prayer, we've got to, we've got to get the order right. Connection with God always overrides our circumstances and our needs. That's why intimacy is so important, which brings us to the fourth principle in changing the heart of God. If we pray persistently, God will do something. He's going to do something. It may not be exactly what you want. It's certainly not going to probably be on your time frame. He may not do it your way, but whatever he does, when it's done, you'll look back and go, that was awesome. That was cool. I'm glad God did that. It may take five years in hindsight, and then you just see how the whole big picture is winding out, but we'll always look back and go, that was incredible, God. All we have to do is just keep asking and seeking and knocking. I'm asking because I'm desperate, God. If you don't heal this person, they're not going to get healed. If you don't fix this relationship, it's probably never going to be brought back together. God says, I agree, and I'm honored by that attitude. So here's my question to you. To you. 
What are you that diligent about in your prayers? That one or two things that you just ask and seek and knock and you ask and seek and knock, is there anything that's so big you're consumed by it and you won't let it go? When the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, he could have said anything. But what he said is, listen, you've got to focus on the pattern. Get, get in a room, close the door, focus on the pattern, and then hit redial over and over. Just keep butt-dialing God. And not, not accidentally, though, by sitting down. Like Sit down to pray and intentionally butt-dial God. You won't hear that in any other service around the country today. <laughs> Here's why. Just because heaven is silent doesn't mean that you stop asking. Because God honors persistent prayer. Something's going to happen, and you never know. God may just show up and give you exactly what you've been asking for. In your finances, investment, does God, do you recognize God has it all, not just whatever little thing you're, you're hoping for? In your marriage and your parenting, do you beg God to show up because you just got to have him because you can't handle your parents anymore, and you can't handle your kids anymore? In your work and your career, I... I I, I pray, and, and, and this, is, this may come across to you as arrogant, and, and I understand that. I just know it's, it's my prayer, and I, I, think it's, I think it's what God wants me to want. I literally want to reach, have impacted, impacted in some way 1% of the population by the time I'm dead. And by the time I'm dead, if I, if I last as long as I hope to, then that's going to be about 100 million people. Who am I to do that? I'm zero. I'm, I'm nobody. I don't even have a church. I mean, you guys, I get to speak here more than anywhere. I mean, I have a church, but not like a corporate big church. But I'm going to keep going after that until God says, Barry, stop it. You're not going to reach 1% of the world. It's two. No. I, <laughs> like, I'm going, to, I'm, going to keep, I'm going to keep praying that until God says, stop it. Here's what I want you to do. Don't, don't ask that anymore. The answer is no. Okay, then, then since I pray God's great, and since I prayed your will ahead of my will, and since I prayed I'm dependent on you, and then I go after it and he says, no, I'm going to be good with that. Okay. Okay. Actually, it'd be a lot of pressure off. I kind of hope he does say that. <laughs> but I'm going after it. Close the door. God, you're great. Your will ahead of mine. Your deal ahead of mine. I'm dependent on you, and I'm desperate without you. That's the format. That's the template. What are you adamant about that you just keep knocking like that? Now, some of you, when we think about prayer, you're scared to get in a room and close the door and pray to God. And, and I would say it's probably not the majority of you, but it's certainly a, a, a decent segment of people. Just, I don't, I don't want to do that. And it's not because you're afraid of talking to God and praying. It's because you know that if you get in a room and you close the door and it's you and God in prayer, He's going to deal with some areas of your life that you don't want to deal with. And I get it if you're a new Christian, that all this is kind of, it's kind of hard to take in, and, and I might be pushing you a little bit further than you want to go or need to go. But for those of you who've been around for a little while, and you're still not praying, can I challenge you on the ludicrousness of that? That you don't want to get in a room and deal with your issue? God already knows all about your issue. The conviction that you're feeling inside of you, that comes from the Holy Spirit. I'm talking to those of you who are believers. But you, you just don't want to get in a room and deal with God. <laughs> He's the God of the universe, hallowed, supreme, almighty. 
His will is more important than our will. If you're a believer, His will trumps yours every time. His deal is more important than your deal. And you're dependent on Him for everything. For your provision, for your daily bread, for your pardon, your forgiveness of your sins. It's only through Jesus Christ are your sins forgiven. And you're only going to be able to forgive other people because of the power of the Holy Spirit in you to allow you to forgive those who trespass against you. And the temptation thing? Most of us can't handle that. We have to have God lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That's the God. And now now you go, and you don't want to deal with that porn in your life or that addiction in your life or that relationship in your life or you're married and it's, it's happily on the outside, but it's not happily on the inside. That, that, that health issue, that friend or family member that is facing some sort of cancer or significant concern. You don't want to deal with that? You don't want to talk to God about that? Again, if we pray as Jesus prayed and put him at number one and that his deal is more important than mine and that I'm dependent on him and then we go and ask him, why would you not even want to get into that? Like what? He already knows whatever it is you're struggling with. He knows whatever it is you don't want to deal with. He knows wherever it is your shortcoming and he still loves you and he still seeks a relationship with you. Why would you turn your back on that? Why would you not want to communicate with a God like that? I, I, I don't want to be harsh with you, and I don't want to be, but I am. Because this is so important. And it's for you and your good. It's your God who loves you. It's your God who sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you, to shed his blood on his sin. He gave it all for you because he cares about you, and he wants a relationship with you. So why would you not want to get in a room and close the door and say, I'm a mess, I need help, but let me start with how great you are. You're supreme, you're hallowed, you're awesome, you're amazing. I'm going to stay here until I, I grasp who it is I'm talking to. Second, your deal is more important than my deal. My deal is real important to me, God, and nine out of ten things I've given to you, but here's this one, and I just it's hard for me to give this up to you. I can't seem to give it up. And then we stay there. Until we're 100% surrendered, that his deal is more important than ours. And then we go to our dependency. God, I know I'm dependent on you. And if you don't think you are, then you need to stay there until you understand you are. Because every breath you take, that's from him. It's a gift. And every, that thing you're holding on to, saying, I'm a self-made man, and I did this. <laughs> that's good. Because God could go, and it's gone like that. The fact that he's allowing you to hold on to it, that's, that shows his graciousness and his kindness and his mercy on you. To You think that you can hold on to that. You may be a talented man or woman, and you may be good at what you do, but if you're a Christian, it's all because of him that he's allowed that to happen. Why don't you want to get in a room and talk to God? Surrender your will. We just can't start with the ask part. That's not how Jesus says. You can, you can, and I think God's glad that you're talking to him, but you can't start there. Not if you want to pray like Jesus prayed. Not if you want to pray effective prayers. If you want to pray the kind of prayers that the good Jewish boys of that day who prayed, grew up praying, prayed their whole lives, go, that's a good prayer. How you do that? If you want to pray like that, that's this prayer. That's this template. So I'm going to encourage you. For 10 days over the next 14 days, over the next two weeks, that five days a week, 
You get in a room, whatever that room is, a closet, a bedroom, a bathroom. Listen, the little commode bathroom thing, like in your, in your, like you got your big bathroom and there's a little, a little hole. So go in there and shut it. And you may walk out numb um, and you may have to stand around and, you know, do this a couple of times. But listen, that's private. It's private. And there's not a lot of distractions in there. You don't have to go to the bathroom. You just go in there. Get the order of things right. And then hit the P button. The P, not for Pastor Barry, but for prayer. And pray and pray and pray and go after him with all your heart. Let's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed before I pray for you and pray for us. Um, We've talked a lot about lordship and Jesus and his prayer. And there may be a handful of you that have never given your lives to Jesus Christ yet. You've never made him Lord and Savior. You've never been baptized. You've never submitted your life to his life. You've never submitted your will to his will. And with with every head bowed and every eye closed, if there's somebody here that just goes, man, I don't know about this church. I don't know about Pastor Scott. I don't know about all these people. But I'm into what that dude just said. I'm into what the Bible, what I just read about Jesus and God and that makes sense. And that's the kind of God I want to follow. That's the kind of, I don't, I don't know about Christians. In fact, most Christians drive me nuts, but this is cool. And I like this message and I want to be a part of that. I want Jesus to be my Lord, to be my boss, to be my leader. If you've never made him the leader, if you've never made him boss, I'm not saying your relationship's damaged and you need some, some help to restore it. I'm just saying you've never made that decision and you'd like to make that decision today to say yes to Jesus, yes to a relationship with him. I just ask that you quietly just slip your hand up. No one looking around. Just slip your hand up and say yes to Jesus today. For the first time, I've never given my life to him, but I'd like to do that right now. If that's you, just slip your hand up. I just, I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to have you come forward. I just want to pray for you. If there's anybody that's never given your life to Jesus for the first time, that you'd like to do that today. God, for the rest of us, we either have a relationship with you or we're not yet ready. I pray that we will take this prayer and drive it deep down into our brains, that it would change our lives. And for those praying for the salvation or healing of a relationship, a mom or a dad, a son or daughter, grandson, granddaughter, aunt, uncle, brother, sister, whatever it is, help them to keep praying, keep praying, and never give up, knowing that it's out of their hands that we're dependent on you. And for anyone struggling with porn or addictions, help them to keep praying this prayer that it would sink in and help them. Help in their marriage. It'll help them in, in a hopeless circumstance. And just help us to keep asking and keep seeking and keep knocking after we've got the order right. That's just remarkable. And I pray it all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.